Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Beton and Noam Weissman for the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, Wandering Jews as they tackle topics and uncomfortable questions about Israel, Judaism, and Zionism that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. Listen to Wandering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wandering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Internet! Shit. I'm Robert Evans again. Still badly introducing my podcast, Behind the Bastards, about bad people. Mm. Terrible ones. Miles, still my guest. Yes. Still still ashamed to be here after that introduction. How are you doing? Oh, no, that, that. that intro gave me life. Quite the opposite. Oh. Yeah. That, it didn't look like it. It looked like you died a little bit inside. Oh, uh, that's just because I got an email saying, oh. I, saying I owe money for car insurance or something. Ugh. Oh, man, I have some good news about Geico, but okay. I forget what it is. Ah, well, um, can you save me 15% or more? I don't know. Okay, well, we'll um, I'll, I'll test that theory. I'm going to go to the insurance provider and I'm going to enter codes bastards mm-hmm. and see what I get. Yeah, you just you find someone who sells insurance and you you paint or carve that into them and you'll get a discount on <laughs> on your insurance. That's the way it works. Oh Fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit distracted right now. My friend Michael had a really rough night and I've just kind of been trying to text him through it. Um, oh, blue balls. Know, yeah. 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 You know, he's a nice guy every now and then he just kind of, you know, we all make bad choices. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. His uh, maybe, was trying to buy yeah, an election. I think there were just some women who maybe didn't like a, maybe a couple jokes I made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was my favorite line. <laughs> this is oh, the night boy. after the 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 debate. We'll try not to talk about it too much yeah. because we have an even more problematic man than Michael Bloomberg yeah, to discuss. I want to talk about old Willie Walker here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bill Walker. 
Wilhelm Walker. <laughs> so, when we left off with our story, William Walker had just captured a new country by stealing a town from Mexico and then murdering several of its people when they dared to say, hey, we're, we're maybe not okay with this. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I gotta, like, you gotta have a, an element, maybe respect's the wrong word, but something for a guy who, like, captures a small town and is like, I got me a country now. <laughs> I, have, I have respect in the way that I would have, like, respect, like, if it were a script and it wasn't yeah. real, and it was for the pure comedy, I would have respect for that character. Yeah. I'm like, this is great for the plot. Yeah, there's like a fun Will Ferrell movie in, in aspects of this, if you trim out the racism and slavery and murder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Will Ferrell would be the right guy to play this dude. Um, yeah. Yeah, Although him. he's big. He's yeah, maybe, a big guy. I could see like yeah. Sam Rockwell too. Oh, Sam Rockwell would be fun. Because yeah. he's like that might be better. Yeah. Will Ferrell, like there's a there's like a silent confidence to him. Sam Rockwell like, yeah. has the range to like tap into like a guy who is trying to prove his like hero grandpa wrong. Yeah. He's got that like nervous like energy thing. Like right. that like sa- yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Sam Rockwell's the <laughs> Paul anyway. Giamatti. <laughs> well, I'll, Just I'll like, full yeah. comedy. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd like to open part two, uh, this episode, uh, with a paragraph from the book Filibusters and Financiers, uh, which is, again, a 1916 book that is kind of like bemusedly positive towards William Walker and the ideas of Manifest Destiny. It includes a paragraph describing the general character uh, of the American man during this period of time. And I find this passage really insightful for trying to like get into the head of like what a lot of people, like the people back at home who thought what Walker was doing in Mexico was awesome. Like what's, what's kind of going on in their brains. I think this is an interesting paragraph. Okay. So again, this is writing about the American man in general in the 1850s quote, he was always sure that he was right. The belief of the Americans in their own excellence was one of the things which most impressed and puzzled the foreign visitor. Success in the struggle for existence in the new world had produced unbounded egotism and self-confidence. Every vigorous boy passes through such a stage as he approaches adolescence. <laughs> to other members of his family and to his neighbors, he seems something of a bully. In this period, other nations entertained a similar opinion of young America. All the world regarded this country as a braggart and a bully, and the estimate was not entirely unjust. It is consoling however, to record that our faults, numerous as they were, were symptoms of youth and superabundant health rather than signs of senile degeneracy. <laughs> so, uh, we were giant dicks during this period of time, but like, we were young, we were whatever. Young, yeah, yeah. That's what happens. You get you get, a, get some genocidal colonizer thoughts and you act them out. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I, I love that paragraph. So, depending on which source you read, you're going to get different takes in terms of, like, William's attitudes towards slavery during this period of time. Some sources paint him as kind of indifferent to it in his early life. Like, obviously, his parents had slaves, but he wasn't a slaveholder. His magazine was kind of, for the time and place, kind of soft on abolition. Like, obviously, they, they ran ads for slaves, but they weren't, like... Like a lot of papers in that period of time would have been like abolitionists should be murdered for so like they weren't on that into things right right so I guess less Fox News more CNN yeah yeah he's Last a time moderate. I think we said MSNBC yeah. whatever it is yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll I, take your money way, really yeah <laughs> we'll take your way. money and we'll half call it out but we'll take your money yeah I think we can all rest assured that both CNN and MSNBC in the 1850s would have been both sidesing the hell out of slavery oh yes yes <laughs> they're gonna be like hey you know it's it's like uh, who was it was it Andrew Jackson who's like hey you got a wolf by the ears you know what are you gonna yeah. do gonna let it go I don't know man maybe 
Maybe stop grabbing wolves. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew <laughs> yeah. Wh- why are we grabbing wolves? Hey, you sick fuck. You just grab a wolf by the ears and nothing's going to... You know what? No, let it go. You deserve to be mauled to death. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like somebody fucking with a wolf and being like, there's no way to stop this wolf from being angry yeah. at me. It's like, well, yeah. hold on. You're grabbing it by the fucking you, ears. Was that, was that, and, wasn't that Andrew Jackson who said that? I, th- I think so. Somebody said it. It sounds like it. a very jackson yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It definitely sounds jackson So... Whatever the case in terms of William's views on slavery, by the time he wound up in Sonora, he had transformed into a strict supporter of America's peculiar institution. Mm. A write-up I found in the Pin Gazette notes. He may have had a change of heart or may simply have recognized the usefulness of pro-slavery sentiment in gaining support and recruits for his filibustering. The most ardent advocates of Manifest Destiny were Southerners who viewed expansion and annexation as opportunities to establish new slave states, tipping the tenuous balance with the abolitionist North. Most of Walker's enlistees on the Mexican adventure had been recruited from the slave states of Tennessee and Kentucky. Once in control, Walker borrowed the laws of Louisiana for his new republic, making slavery legal by default. Hmm. So... We're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But yeah, well, actually right now, Scott Martell, William's best biographer and the author of William Walker's Wars, makes a point of noting that Walker could have just as easily stolen the laws and constitution of California because he'd worked as a lawyer in both states. So he knew the laws just as well. Right. But California didn't allow slavery. Right. Um, which suggests that Walker was explicitly motivated to make a new slave state in northern Mexico. And it's interesting because, like, Walker himself never actually owned a slave. So maybe this was all about trying to recruit more Southerners to come to his banner. Oh, right. Being like, hey, we're we're slave friendly. Yeah, we're slave friendly. We're going to make another Texas underneath Texas. And uh, it's going to be even yeah. Texaser. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yes. Yeah, I guess I'm, yeah. I'm having trouble even processing that concept, but I'm going to trust yeah. you on that. Yeah. So he was not ideologically committed to slavery, at least in his writing. Um, in prior work, he'd supported slavery and slave states under the ages of democracy, which, you know, ignores the fact that the actual enslaved people couldn't vote. And this kind of proved to be like this line of reasoning would prove to be regular behavior for Walker. He justified his invasion of Mexico on humanitarian grounds, citing the raids by indigenous people and the unfair taxes mm-hmm. taken by Mexico without actually ever talking to those people or furnishing any evidence that he wanted <laughs> them to free him or him to uh, to free them. Yeah, in parsing out the actual motivations of William Walker personally, um, Martell cites historian Frank Soule, who wrote that Walker was, quote, a brave, highly educated and able man, whatever may be thought of his discretion and true motives of conduct in the expedition. He seems to have taken a high moral and political position in the affair, though his professions were peculiar and their propriety not readily admitted by downright sticklers for equity and natural law. A few of his co-agitators were also men of a keen sense of honor who forgot or heeded not in the excitement of the adventure the opinions of mere honest men upon the subject. But the vast majority of Walker's followers can only be viewed as desperate actors in a true filibustering or robbing speculation. The good of the wretched and Apache-oppressed Sonorians was not in their thoughts. If they succeeded, they might lay the sheer foundations of fortunes. If they failed, it was only time and perhaps life lost. In either event, there was grand excitement in the game. Yeah. That could... I thought you were ta- reading a description like before the second Iraq war or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy shit. Because nothing's ever changed. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, look, here's here's the flow chart. Uh, do, does this country yep. have something you want? Yes. Um, are they willing to let you take it? Yes or no? If it says no, okay, invade on the grounds of humanitarian crisis and it's justified. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you, you have a couple of guys in there who really do think they're they're doing the humanitarian thing, and you shove those dudes out front because it makes for a good look. But ninety percent of everybody's just like, I want to get what's fucking mine yeah. and they're take like, it right, out of this. Wait, fucking, what do yeah. I got to say? What do I got to say to get yeah. over there? Yeah, 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 fine, 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 fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that humanitarian for N- sure. It's interesting that Walker just stole all the laws and legal code of Louisiana, um, because you might expect that as a former newspaper editor and a columnist, a man of letters and a lawyer, that like he would have written something in the founding document of his yeah. new nation, like something at all, anything to like state out what its values or beliefs or goals were, right. something like the Declaration of Independence or the Bill of Rights. And it says a lot that Walker ignored doing any of that and just was like, ah, we'll just be like Louisiana. Yeah, I guess that, that's usually like a time for like an ego maniac to like really do a nice yeah. solo on yourself being like oh yeah here step one of my constitution of my new country i'm doing where he's just kind of like fuck it i'm just gonna steal my i'm not gonna do my homework I, it's yeah. probably maybe so i guess that's less about him really wanting to start his own country and more just the idea that he could yeah i, I think it was more just like he wanted I, I suspect his goal was to just try to conquer this chunk of Mexico and then give it to, like, have it be annexed by the United States and get fucking rich as shit and yeah. be the founding father of a new state. He's I like, really think that was kind of his end goal here. He's like, oh, that fucking John C. Fremont ain't shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, you can, t- like, there's a, I think it's probably a good idea to look at kind of John Brown as an example of another kind of deluded guy who, tr- who had like dreams of setting up his own state mm. with a tiny number of men. Um, and like the first thing Brown did before he even got militarily involved was write up like a constitution and a statement of values and all these things that like someone who actually believes something does when right. they embark on a plan like this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Walker does not believe in shit other than getting rich and famous. Uh, okay. I think that's where I land on this. So he really is the modern American. I think we're yeah, starting he, to see this. Like, there's not even like yeah. the, rom- the romance of it all, like some of these other figures have. It's purely like, yeah. nah, man, this is lucrative. And it, it's like weird to say, but he doesn't even have the kind of ethical commitment to love slavery. Like, he, he never <laughs> right. owns a slave. He doesn't care that much. He's using that because he knows it'll get him recruits. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't even, he's not even committed to that. Yeah, it says like, lizard brain I, I, on. Yeah, it's they just his, it's weird. Like, it, it would honestly be a little bit, it would still, it, I, I mean, differently gross if he was, like, a committed slaveholder. But instead, he's just sort of, like, using this really gross thing other people are committed to to further his own yeah. goals. It's so weird. Just total master um, manipulator. Yeah. Anyway. Back to the story. So uh, where we are when we left off is he, uh, they captured the town of La Paz, shot some people, captured the new governor who they found on a boat, and then sailed away from the city and towards Cabo San Lucas. <laughs> um, yeah, La Paz 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they set up a, t- a camp outside of Cabo San Lucas and prepared to effect their invasion. Um, and unfortunately for them, the locals had heard all about what they were doing in La Paz and had organized a militia to resist. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Now, Walker had been expecting a few volunteers to arrive uh, from San Francisco to, like, shore up his numbers, but they didn't get there in time. And after a few days, he decided he had to move his new nation's capital for the third time in, like, two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And he hadn't even conquered... So did he huh. even set foot, step foot, or he just saw no, like, uh, no, it's he, gonna be hot he was if like, we get right, off this boat? Yeah, they were like camped outside, and he was like, "Oh shit, there's like way more of them than us, and they're actually ready now." Like, I can't just stumble into the mayor's office yeah. and say I'm in charge. Yeah, like wave <laughs> a musket. Who's in charge? Yeah, nah, me now. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so so then he had to pack his shit up. Yep, and look for Capital Three 
looks for capital 3.0. So you're in Baja, right? You're yeah. in Baja. You're looking for, you want it to be on the coast, obviously. Yes. Like you're in Baja, you got to be on the fucking coast. Mm-hmm. Cabo is not working out. Where do you, where do you, where do you go? I don't know. I mean, like, do you, it sounds like if, if you're smart, you're like, all right, Mex- I've made Mexico way too hot for me. No, no, no. He's no, still no. he's still sticking with the plan. He's still he is committed to oh, Mexico. You this fucking is fucking idiot. What I don't and know. And the Tijuana? reason this is hysterical, close. Okay. The, the reason this is hysterical will make less sense to people who don't they haven't lived in Southern California. But mm-hmm. he rolls to fucking Ensenada, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Hell yeah! Keep it moving. The party oh, really yeah, doesn't baby. stop. Yeah. <laughs> Today, known for its beautiful beaches, pleasant weather, and dirt-cheap drugstore tram at all, Ensenada was at that <laughs> point the furthest northern settlement on the Baja Peninsula. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love Ensenada. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, every, everyone town. knows you go there, you better learn the generic name for prescription drugs when you're down there, or else you're, you <laughs> you're ain't getting damn shit. right. No. So its proximity to San Diego would secure his flank and provide him with an easy route to uh, accept new American volunteers. Um, His forces landed in Ensenada on November 30th, 1853, and seized the town without a fight because it was barely a town. Um, Shortly shortly thereafter, he posted a message in the center of town explaining his intentions to his new citizens. He sent a copy of this message to the San Diego Herald. And I have to note that this message to his new citizens in Ensenada was written in English. Of course. You fucking asshole. (laughs) I mean, yes, of course. Of Of course course it is, you colonizer fuck. You're like, yeah, I don't know what. Here, this is what I'm telling you. I mean, figure it out. I don't know what they speak in Ensenada. What is it? French? What is it? uh, (laughs) Ensenadan? I don't know that one. Uh, He argued in his letter that the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which had ended the Mexican-American War, had established a state of affairs whereby Mexico could not adequately care for its western provinces, since they were, like, cut off from the rest of Mexico. Furthermore, quote, the moral and social ties which bound it to Mexico have been even weaker and more dissolute than the physical. Hence, to develop the resources of California and to effect a proper social organization therein, it was necessary to make it independent. Independent. Hmm. Hmm. Walker hmm. pointed out that Baja had many natural resources, which required good government by white people in order to truly exploit. <laughs> and then, Miles, Fuck then off. he got, then he got really racist. <laughs> then he, okay. <laughs> yeah. no, no, he fucking dives into it now. Oh, Quote, Jesus. The territory under Mexican rule would forever remain wild, half-savage and uncultivated, oh, covered with an indolent and half-civilized people, desirous of keeping all foreigners from entering the limits of the state. When the people of a territory fail almost entirely to develop the resources nature has placed at their command, the interests of civilization require others to go in and possess the land. They cannot, nor should they be allowed, to play the dog in the manger and keep others from possessing what they have failed to occupy and appropriate. Oh! Oh my god mm, that is some colonizer mentality that right is there fucking i don't know if i'm like high because i'm so fucking like it, it's so cringy to hear it like that or i'm maybe i'm just actually high but i feel that caused a visceral yeah. sense oh i it's the real motivation behind all colonialism yeah. that some most colonizers, particularly like most people who who write positively about colonialism in like the 20th century, right. covered up a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Now, rather yeah. than like, oh, you guys are too dumb and arcane to fucking know what to do with yeah. this stuff. Therefore, you need me to come in, exploit it, give you nothing. And then when you ask for something, I'll, you know, I'll say you're a communist and then I'll send it, send some people yeah. to the School of Americas. It, it's a little bit like when I was younger and very drunk, sometimes I would go into restaurants and steal food from other people's plates mm. because... I was too drunk to know that things like property rights existed and they weren't eating the food while I was taking it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so William Walker, yeah, that's, 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 that's the, that's the justifications Walker's using. Well, you just like do that a, at a, a drunk me. You walk into a Chili's and you're just like, Give man, me that. sometimes it was way nicer than Chili's. I got some stories about a fucking Buddha bar in uh fucking Kiev that are, yeah. Anyway. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Walker argued that the Mexican government, which he had fled two cities already in order to avoid, had given up their claim to Baja by failing to protect it. This is as he's fleeing from the Mexican military. Okay. <laughs> Baja was, in his words, a waif on the waters, and Mexico cannot complain if others take it and make it valuable. <laughs> what? Such a piece of shit. Dude, the balls on this fucking guy. I know, it's amazing. Oh, well, if it mattered so much, you would have fought for it, so yeah. stop playing games, That's exactly Mexico. what I yelled at those people when yeah. I stole the food from their plates, yeah. That's like kind of like if, if like, you, I, I've, I was in a relationship where someone broke up with me to test if I would fight for the relationship. But Ooh, I just that's that's a healthy way to deal with a relationship yeah, right there. I, I took it as I was respecting what their wishes were, and I was like, oh, if that's how you feel, like... Okay, yep. then sorry. And then her friend is like, she wanted you to fight for her. And I was like, well, what the fuck? I, I, I was told a different thing. I'm sorry. That okay. But I guess the same thing with Mexico. You didn't fight for her. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. mine now. Yes. Yeah. W William Walker is the same as your ex-girlfriend. I say that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I know you do. I'm glad we're able yeah. to get that in. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in public dispatches, all this was framed uh, in a mix of standard colonialist justifications, like the ones above, and the ever-present assertion that Walker and his men were protecting the local Mexican people from dastardly, dangerous natives. Now, there is no evidence that any of these people ever felt protected by him. In fact, <laughs> since he and his men stole food and other supplies wherever they traveled, <laughs> it is unlikely that the people of Ensenada saw Walker's men as different from any other bandits. Yeah. The best you can say for Walker and his soldiers is that they they mostly raided the ranches of wealthy property owners. So, mm. yeah. Now, one of the people that they stole from, these wealthy property owners in, in Ensenada, uh, was named Antonio Maria uh, Melindres. Um, and he fled his ransacked home while Walker's men were there, stealing shit from it for the town of Santo Tomas, and succeeded in raising a small militia to fight back against what he assumed was just a bunch of American horse thieves from San Diego. Remember, like, news doesn't travel yeah. at this period. He just sees these Americans with the guns. He's like, oh, they must have, this, these must just be criminals who cross, which is, like, not wrong. Yeah. But he doesn't realize they're trying to make a nation he just thinks they're stealing shit I, randomly I, I think this is a thought yeah. many people in baja california have had for i guess yes. centuries now they go ah it's probably just a couple assholes from san diego <laughs> i have embodied aspects of william walker's behavior in the same city and i apologize and have apologized repeatedly to the people of ensenada for oh it. wow well look <laughs> you're you're a better man than he Look, if they if they weren't going to properly make use of the great resources of tramadol that nature <laughs> <laughs> put it there, then it's just going to waste. They will not I colonized the shit out of those yeah. hundred mic pills, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of hundred milligram tramadol pills, you know what you cannot buy over the internet without 
attracting substantial risk. Uh, it's at it's time for an ad break. Uh, We're not supported by Tramadol, unfortunately, yet. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if people have learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. You think, what's the catch? But there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new 3-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com/behind. That's mintmobile.com/behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/behind. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. We're back. Okay. 
So, uh, this guy, uh, Antonio Melendrez, uh, he like, uh, he, he makes a militia to fight back against Walker's men and they successfully ambush some of Walker's soldiers who are in the middle of robbing a house and they kill one of them and capture or rout the rest. So Melendrez takes some of these prisoners and he interrogates them and he learns that like this, these aren't just a bunch of random bandits. These people are trying to conquer the entire Baja <laughs> Peninsula. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> that interrogation process must have been so weird. You think they're horse thieves and like, what the fuck's your deal? What yeah. are you here for? And they're like, uh, we're here to fucking take over. For everything. And I'd be like, oh, shit. Oh, wow. Really? Um, well, yeah. I have you at fucking bayonet point. Um, so how's that looking for you right now? Yeah, so that that's kind of exactly what Melendrez does. Is he's like, all right, well, we've got to st- we got to put a stop to this. <laughs> right. this, isn't, this isn't good. Oh, yeah. you thought you were going to colonize this shit? <laughs> So he puts together a force of about 60 men and he assaults Walker and his soldiers in Ensenada the next day. And Walker's men were quickly surrounded inside a walled adobe compound they'd taken for their headquarters. Um, but unfortunately for Melendrez, they had cannons and they were very well set up inside this compound. So he's basically with an almost equal sized force of men charging Walker inside a fortified position with artillery and uh-huh. it does not go well. Um, more than a dozen of Melendrez's men are killed, um, several more are wounded, um, and only one of Walker's raiders is shot dead, uh, although eight more are wounded. So Melendrez pulls back uh, and the situation devolves into a siege. Now, at this point in time, the boat that Walker had chartered, the Caroline, had a great vantage point to watch all this unfold. And its captain decided he had no interest in waiting around for the end and winding up in a Mexican prison. And his captain, by the way, is the guy Walker appointed his secretary of the Navy. So the secretary of the Navy goes to those two captive Mexican governors on board, and he's like, I don't want any part of this anymore. Like, can we work something out? Yeah. And like generations of Americans after him, they sailed to Cabo San Lucas to chill out. Oh, <laughs> uh, the irony of it all. Wait, so that guy, yeah. he basically just gave him up and was like, uh, like release the, the captive governors to just save He his takes own them ass. back to Cabo and he's like, yeah, I'm not a part of this uh, anymore. Yeah. Uh, you, I, 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 I wish we would see more people like that secretary of the navy in today's yeah. environment yeah you know, i go. wish our secretary of the navy was like that secretary of the navy and yeah. gave up our navy to mexico it would just be interesting yeah or at yeah. least like prosecute like war criminals yeah well that's a little much to hope for <laughs> so uh william walker did succeed in breaking the siege of ensenada uh by launching a daring night attack after a series of rainstorms but most of his opponents including melendrez fled into the hinterlands around the city in order to raise more men to repulse the americans uh and one of these guys one of melendrez's soldiers uh, a guy named negrete uh, actually traveled to san diego and then san francisco to like try to talk with u.s authorities and determine whether or not the government was okay with what was happening <laughs> basically like Went to the American government. Was like, are you guys? Do you guys know what what's happening down here? Is this? Are you guys? This, the, the, you guys co-sign yeah. this? Is yeah, this seems like a problem to me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So. While all this was going on, Walker had several men in California recruiting a new wave of soldiers to reinforce the Republic's beleaguered 40-ish man army. Uh, These guys succeeded in drawing together roughly 200 new soldiers and a new boat, the Anita. It was not a wildly competent group. Only the captain and first mate had any sailing experience, and the soldiers weren't much better at soldiering. One recruit later recalled that, quote, almost all on board were more or less drunk on the trip over to Ensenada. (laughs) Three of them died during the voyage over casualties of a minor storm so what 
These are not the Navy SEALs riding into the rescue. <laughs> Why is it always a bunch of drunk dudes? Because didn't he like panic uh, of leave? Course. Didn't he panic leave yeah. Cabo all drunk and shit? What? I mean, what other type of man is going to pick up a gun and try to conquer a sovereign nation with like 40 other guys? Yeah, it's true. A, a sober man's not going to make that call. Honestly, they'd be like, <laughs> oh, wait, I don't, I, I didn't really want to fight anymore. Is there going to be? I'll co- fight all of Mexico. I don't care. Wait, hold on. Is there cocaine there? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check yeah. it out. Wow. I mean, also, I like the idea. You're so drunk that you died in a storm on a ship. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. how bad, that's how inept you are at sailing that three people Boat died. drunk, baby. Boat drunk. Mm. Uh, now, the Anita made port at Ensenada on December 20th, uh, a week after the end of the siege. Uh, and the added men more than quadrupled the size of Walker's force. They also supplied it with fresh cannon, guns, and powder. But their arrival also meant that Walker had that many more mouths to feed, which could only be accomplished by shamelessly stealing food from the locals they were there to ostensibly protect from bandits. Ah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Oh, boy, it's great. So I'm going to quote again from William Walker's Wars. Quote, Walker sent 65 men under Captain George R. Davidson to Governor Negrete's command center at Santo Tomas. They found it undefended and seized it without a fight. In his Bragfield reports to the north, uh, Samuel Ruland reported that the wealthy ranchero owners, frustrated with a lack of protection by the Mexican government, had fully embraced the new republic. He claimed that the locals offered Walker and his men free food and other supplies, but that the self-proclaimed president had turned them down, his forces now having abundant supplies from the confiscated property of the outlaw Melendrez. Ruland wrote that Walker intended to pay for all supplies received from friendly inhabitants and walker issued a decree condemning to death all persons guilty of plundering the property of the friendly inhabitants in other words ranch owners who opposed walker would find their property pillaged while those who acquiesced would be protected now that's the way it he was supposed to work on paper yeah but in reality, his men stole everything that wasn't nailed down, even from the people who, like, agreed to be part of this new republic to not get robbed. Uh, one landowner later wrote, houses were broken into, families were forced to do the bidding of the invaders, and horses and saddles were taken from passing civilians. In short, the marauders were behaving as though they were absolute masters of the country. Heaven help anyone who resisted or in any way refused to do what they commanded, for then the fury of the entire company was vented on him. Oh, so they were just basically... Yeah, stick up for yourself, and then we'll just beat the shit out of you slash kill you. Mm-hmm. Was there like yeah. so? Was there like a massive body count at this point? Like, or were they? Or they? They made we an example know. out of a couple. Like, but it's probably yeah. recorded that probably at people least lost their lives trying at to stand up. At least a few. There's yeah. not like a direct count, but like sure. you have to assume there were murders and obviously rapes. Right. Um, I'm going to guess the majority of people learn to either hide from them or give up what, because they're like, you know, there's like, there's a bunch of guys with guns now. Like, right. I guess we give right. them what they want. Yeah. So, new volunteers continued to trickle in from the United States, inspired by the stories published in California newspapers and the promise of looting for themselves. By January of 1854, William Walker's army had expanded to 300 men. He celebrated this by declaring yet another name change to his new country. So, this is the third name change. The Republic of Lower California was now the Republic of Sonora. It had two states. 
Sonora, where he held no land, and Lower California, where he controlled the town of Ensenada and two small outposts. <laughs> Reports of these momentous changes and great victories were spread throughout the yellow press of Southern California. But things were not going well for Walker. His men had succeeded in capturing mostly cows for food, and their all-beef diet had gotten quickly tiring. <laughs> so they, they have enough food, but it's all beef, and it's like all boiled beef, and they are not happy with this. <laughs> they don't even have, no, not even local spices, huh? No, no. Uh, I mean, they're white. Yeah, I know. I they just, had, yeah. Even the, even these white colonizers had limits. Yeah. I'm sure they must have smelled someone's cooking. They're like, what, what, what do you call that? Why is that so good? Cumin? Oh, yeah. man. What, how do I get that? Yeah. So the president and his commanders, of course, uh, got bread and vegetables, but everyone else had to make do with just boiled beef and the occasional bit of corn. Um, this frustrated the men enough that one of them destroyed the oven Walker's cook used to bake his bread. <laughs> Yeah, petty. As the days and weeks rolled on, soldiers began to desert. Others fell sick and died. Arguments over the unequal distribution of stolen horses led some of the remaining men to the brink of mutiny. When a group of them told the president colonel that they were leaving, he warned them that desertion was a capital offense. When this did not dissuade anyone, he tried his hand at making a glorious speech to inspire his soldiers to stay. He ended it by announcing that anyone who wished to leave could go, and anyone who wanted to stay would have to swear an oath through weal and woe to stay with him until they had conquered all of western Mexico. So this is a little bit, I'm guessing, it's not said that this was the case. I'm guessing this was sort of in an echo of, oh, I always forget this guy from my Texas history class, but one of the guys at the Alamo like drew a line in the sand and was literally like, at least so the story goes, you know, if you want to stay on this side and fight, you know, come on this side and whatever. And it's like this big moment from Texas history where this guy like draws this line oh, in the sand. For, powerful. Yeah. Very powerful moment. Walker tries to do essentially the same thing, and a quarter of his army leaves immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's just like a shitty, toxic boss who, like, he's so bad. And does I, I love those moments? I don't. I, I don't typically envision you, Robert, having traditional uh, work history. But I, like, no. did you, have you ever worked in an office where there was like the toxic boss, and there was the moment he realized the whole office was against him or her? No, you know, I've I've been really lucky in my bosses actually. Oh man, yeah, well that's true. Yeah, and you you follow your you follow your heart. There have been times yeah. when I've worked like retail or other things, and like there's a moment like, you guys gonna let this happen? And everyone's like, yeah, we are because we hate yeah. you and you're not <laughs> paying you're us. The worst. <laughs> so welcome to this reality. Uh, I mean, I did have that one moment when Jack O'Brien asked us to swear an oath to him while he was trying to conquer in Sonata, but right. that was. Yeah. And you didn't take yeah. it seriously. You thought hey, he says no. that shit all the time. He didn't have very many cannons. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in short order, uh, just because of all these guys who leave and then others desert, um, like Walker's down to about 140 men. And he decides that his numbers have fallen enough that he has to move yet again to the town of San Vicente. Um, but he was halted in doing this when two U.S. Navy ships filled with Marines set anchor just outside of Ensenada. These were the U.S. government's belated response to his invasion. Their job was to block any passage south of additional reinforcements for Walker's shrinking army. So Walker decides to march south anyway, and once again his forces easily capture the undefended town, this time San Vicente. President Colonel Walker immediately demands the local tribes and citizens all swear personal fealty to him, which some of them did in order to avoid trouble. But Walker's army was in full collapse at this point. He'd left Ensenada with 140 men, but he had less than 100 left by the time he got to San Vicente. 
So Walker grew furious with the constant desertions, and on February 28th, some of his men caught a group of volunteers planning to desert before they could actually get away. He placed five of them, the ringleaders, under arrest. Two were sentenced to lashing, and two were executed immediately. Oh. The fifth was pardoned. Yeah, so he's, he's, kill, he's killing his oh, own guys now. Buddy, it's, yeah. really far, it's falling apart now. The fifth was pardoned because he was a good cattle driver and they needed, <laughs> no one knew how to do anything. Yeah. Um, so observing his men murdering their comrades, William Walker wrote that this was, quote, a good test of military discipline since killing your fellow soldiers was the hardest thing a soldier could do. And he oh added that. Oh my God. What? <laughs> on this occasion, the duty was more difficult because the number of Americans was small and was daily diminishing. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> what I'm a fucking. Uh, this is i'm guessing we're starting to enter the third act of this disastrous man not even well third act of mexico right 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 oh my yeah again just the i he's He's amazing yeah and he's really like in a like true people who have these like fixations on like dominating and conquering like they absolutely live in their own mind Absolutely. And despite all of the evidence and data that's in front of them, that would say like an intelligent person would be like, this is actually an abject failure. And if I'm serious about this, I may need to rework it. They just go, nah, fuck it. I hit the accelerator and let's just go pedal to the metal and see what happens. Like if I got to kill some guys that are my own people, then, you that's know. what I'm going to do. And then honestly, yeah. that's actually pretty chill because it's like a really sick test of like discipline. Yeah. So yeah, it's actually, yeah, this is how really, I want it to be. Yeah. I actually wanted yeah, I mean, all this I, to happen, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, at this point, Walker split his forces, uh, leaving 30 men back in Ensenada and taking 70 further east, intent on finally capturing some land in Sonora. And this proved to be a bad call. Melindres had raised another militia, which he used to assault and capture San Vicente without much of a fight. Uh, he immediately executed a dozen of Walker's men, creating a sensation in California papers. This left Walker and his remaining soldiers stuck in the middle of Baja, California, with no base of operations or support. The whole mess collapsed in short order, and Walker eventually wound up fleeing for the U.S. border. In the end, his army was reduced to just 33 men. 22 of his volunteers had died in Mexico. Eight more had been grievously wounded. They were all almost immediately arrested, and Walker was taken back to San Francisco for trial. He was indicted by a grand jury on May 11, 1864, along with his secretaries of war and navy. The charge was violation of the Neutrality Act, a crime they were obviously guilty of committing. The presiding judge was Isaac Ogier, the first DA for Los Angeles, like the very first district attorney for los angeles Holy shit. yeah and his chief legal claim to fame was that in the past he'd introduced a bill as state assemblyman to ban free black people from living in california uh so as you oh. might expect he and many of the potential juror pool in san francisco were inclined to sympathize with william walker yeah holy shit okay Yeah. So Walker's chief defense was that he'd never intended to enter Mexico in a hostile manner. His expedition had only turned into an invasion after they were attacked by violent locals. Oh, you fucking asshole. We were just on vacation with all of our guns and cannons. And cannons. What did you think? Oh, my. Oh, you thought we were here to fucking colonize? No. Was it because of the cannons? Jesus, you people. See, I told you we should have painted him like a fun color. Yeah, they thought it was. They thought it was like for, for. I mean, when I go on vacation with my cannons, I do paint them like a bright, happy, like teal. You know? Oh yeah, I find I, that that I put like Hello down. Kitty stickers all over Absolutely. my my like anti tank yeah. cannon, my anti tank rounds, mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. 
So uh, Walker neglected to mention that this violent response from the locals of La Paz was a result of him capturing the governor and declaring himself president. Walker's lawyer also argued that his client's motives had been pure, an attempt to drive back the savage Apaches to protect the people of Baja. The government of the United States was, in their prosecution of Walker, the ally of the savage. Oh, man, this is really... Yeah, the great the kind of, A racism. Yeah, yeah, it is. And again, it's timeless. Like the mm-hmm. same sort of flawed logic and reasoning and legal arguments. We're hearing like variations of them today still. And it's yep. amazing. Like, oh, well, actually, you're, you're probably on their side then if that's if, you know, America is probably yeah. a communist nation then if that's if if I'm being if I'm in trouble for inciting violence or uh, violating the neutral. OK, sure. OK, yeah. He is the type of American that there has never not been in America. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what our country is. Yeah, we just look. It, we we got tired of other people telling us to give them their stuff. and like, now we're going to do it our way. Mm-hmm. Try it out our way. So the case went to jury who deliberated for a grand total of eight minutes. <laughs> they declared William Walker and his men not guilty. Oh, my oh. fuck. Of course. <laughs> this fuck. They'll never this learn. This piece of shit. A local newspaper, the Daily Alta, reported when the verdict was pronounced, which the foreman did in a very emphatic tone, there was an audible manifestation of applause outside the bar. And many came up to shake Mr. Walker by the hand and congratulate him. Good work on trying to conquer Mexico. Yeah. Sorry it didn't work out. Hey, loved hey, loved what you're going for. Knew what you're going for. Loved the idea. Big fan. Big, Big fan. fan. Love the enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Just a new place for slavery to flourish. Love that. I mean, I don't know if you do. That doesn't really matter, but I love the perks. Great. Yeah. Now a free man, Walker found employment as the editor of a newspaper in Sacramento. He wrote a series of editorials complaining about extremists on both sides of the slavery mm-hmm. versus abolition <laughs> debate. Oh, yeah. My. You see? He, he becomes MSNBC himself here. Um, but writing was not enough to capture his attention anymore. Once you've tried to conquer a Central American nation, yep. nothing else is going to hit the spot like nah, trying to conquer another Central American nation. Never. Just doesn't hit right. I've said it a thousand times. Yeah. Now, during this period, Nicaragua was enmeshed in a civil war between two opposing political parties, the Legitimists and the Liberals. The Liberal Party had hired a number of American mercenaries, including a fellow named Cole, who'd worked with Walker on a newspaper called the Commercial Advertiser. Once Cole got the lay of the land in Nicaragua, he had the uh, the Liberal Party send an invitation to his friend Walker. The two started talking, and eventually Walker wound up in contact with representatives from the Liberal Party. Next, according to a write-up in the Penn Gazette, eager to exploit the nation whose shipping route could prove immensely valuable to himself and to the United States, Walker agreed. This time, however, he made sure to circumvent neutrality laws by obtaining a contract to bring colonists to Nicaragua. On May 3rd, 1855, Walker and 57 followers left San Francisco by boat. Shortly after arriving and reinforced with local Democratic troops, they attacked the legitimate stronghold of Rivas. They lost decisively, driven out of town after suffering significant casualties. Though his military prowess was questionable, Walker became the leader of the Democrats by default when the chiefs of both the military and executive branch died. On October 13th, in what was considered to be the only truly adept maneuver of his military career, he commandeered a ferry and sailed to Granada, taking the legitimist forces by surprise. At this point, he effectively gained control of Nicaragua, installing a puppet interim president in Patricio Rivas. Soon after, he had himself elected president and was inaugurated on July 12th, 1856. So he conquers Nicaragua. He's he's the president. Oh my, you did it. 
<laughs> you son of a bitch. He did it because he gets hired, and you'll see them written as the liberal or the Democrat party, um, depending on like which source you find. But he, this party hires him as like a mercenary, and he leads a disastrous attack, and it gets everyone who's in charge of the party killed, and so he just takes control by default. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My bumbling got all the, my bosses uh, killed, so hey, you know what that means? Top of the this pile. This is particularly the part that would make a really good movie. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bet Eric Prince must like have like this like has like bed sheets of this guy. Yeah, yeah. Eric Prince like goes to sleep coming thinking of William Walker and how yeah, he could be absolutely. like absolutely. Yeah. He's like, I'll get him. If I'll only he'd him. had an Air Force. Uh, if only they would just <laughs> let me modify my plane into a fighter jet. <laughs> yeah. So in a matter of days, Walker went from hired mercenary to president of Nicaragua, presumably for the rest of his life. I think that was the goal he had in mind. Right. I don't I don't see a lot of future elections coming. No, definitely not. Um, no primaries yeah. anytime soon. No. Uh, no one, at least of all the American government, had ever considered this to be a realistic possibility. But William Walker was very ready to run a country, and he got right to work making proclamations. English was declared the official language of Nicaragua. <laughs> That's his first move. Well, we're getting rid of all this fucking Spanish. <laughs> first move. First order of business. All right, we're doing English, everybody. These people are speaking Ensenada, and it doesn't even make sense. Uh, what the heck? I thought it was just an Ensenada. Down here, too, huh? Oh, boy. No, we're getting rid of that straight Holy away. shit. Yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, so property was confiscated from the defeated legitimists and handed over to William's American volunteers. He established a bilingual newspaper, El Nicaraguense, which was based on a local legend about a gray-eyed leader who would free Nicaragua from Spanish domination. William Walker, who had gleefully taken on the nickname The Gray-Eyed Man of Destiny, had one of his pet journalists write an op-ed in the paper claiming, This traditional prophecy has been fulfilled to the letter. The gray-eyed man has come. Oh. That must yes. uh, that must You got to have, have a prophecy. That and now it's real? Yeah, it's real now. Yeah, absolutely. But no, but that that was that prophecy actually predates his Made arrival. Made almost almost certainly not. He he claimed it was an, a local prophecy. You motherfucker. I know, I know, Adding, I know. <laughs> dude, also like hijacking. I mean, it's truly like that's what that's what colonization is about. You hijack yeah. the culture, uh -huh. you completely erase it, you rework it for your own gains, and then you gaslight the people into no. thinking, yeah, you wanted this, or at least yeah. I'm going to project that to the other people who don't know any better. It's like what they would say about Native Americans using every part of the buffalo. William Walker colonizes every part of the Nicaragua. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. The fucking gray-eyed... Oh, mm -hmm. please. But Miles, you know what won't colonize Nicaragua and replace its native language with english hmm the products and services that support this podcast ah. yeah that's one of our very few lines is you cannot have attempted to conquer nicaragua oh well i guess uh, i won't have it i won't have it I supporting guess, my podcast i guess crystal geysers out of the out of the, out of the question <laughs> yes yes they are out of the question uh, as are a number of uh snack chip brands yeah um <clears throat> let's roll to ads Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. We're back. So President Walker had no intentions of actually freeing the Nicaraguan people from colonial domination. Uh, In fact, his goal was literally the opposite. On September 22nd, 1856, President Walker issued an edict repealing the 1838 decree that had banned slavery in Nicaragua, where he once had been something of a moderate on this issue. um, By 1856, he'd swung all the way from pretty racist to so racist Jefferson Davis would have been like, slow down, dude. No. He wrote, (laughs) yeah, he's... That sentence just (laughs) made my soul wither. He wrote that Nicaraguans were half-castes and fundamentally disorderly, and black people, he thought, had been placed on earth by God for the use of white men. He later wrote that Africa was, for more than 5,000 years, a mere waif on the waters of the world, fulfilling no part in its destinies and aiding in no manner the progress of general civilization. He saw slavery as crucial to his new goal, which was to rid Nicaragua of actual Nicaraguans by importing slaves to handle the farming for white people. This would stop the new white settlers Walker wanted from fraternizing or god forbid breeding with any actual nicaraguan people so that's good oh wow yeah this is ethnic cleansing that he's he's getting himself lathered up to do some ethnic cleansing everything's a waif too i just like every uh, that's a waif that's his favorite yeah his favorite comparison to make he wrote that quote 
the introduction of Negro slavery into Nicaragua would furnish a supply of constant and reliable labor requisite for the cultivation of tropical products. With the Negro slave as his companion, the white man will become fixed to the soil, and they together would destroy the power of the mixed race, which is the bane of the country. Oh my god! Jesus Christ! Fucking... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow, 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 wow. That really, yeah, Jefferson Davis is like, bruh. That's wow. Okay, I okay. Mean, uh, hey, I guess if that's if that's the tune you're singing, holy shit. Okay, well, yeah. Okay, he's got a vision. He's got a vision. He's got a vision. The fact that Nicaragua was now effectively a slave state would also help to draw in more Southern white volunteers to fill out Williams' new old country. He had notices printed up and distributed in several Southern American cities, including New Orleans. The notices stated, The government of Nicaragua is desirous of having its land settled and cultivated by an industrious class of people and offer as an inducement to immigrants a donation of 250 acres of land for single person and 100 acres additional to persons of family. Steamers leave New Orleans for San Juan on the 11th and 26th of each month the fare is now reduced to less than half of the former rates wow yeah so, we're offering the government of nicaragua is making this offer more white people come on white, come in. on down get your 250 acres you better not be race mixing though yeah and then you can work the land the the also just the romantic the romanticism of his writing about like the white man and the negro slave yeah. together will be bound to the earth like friends forever so fucking dark yeah it's amazing you got you got to do that flowery shit so people will be like oh that sounds that sounds great rather than like Mm -hmm. oh yeah we're torturing people everybody one of the important things to understand even about like the the pro-slavery people is that like everyone wants to view themselves as the good guys of course the pro-slavery folks did not like to think of themselves as like violently enforcing a nightmarish regime of racial apartheid right they saw themselves as like it's no, this is us and our friend. It's our friend who like needs a little we help. We whip to death sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that would see. I didn't do that. The overseer yeah. did. And that's the that's overseer what did. Yeah. But we're still friends. Yeah. yeah. Back in the U.S., reactions to Walker's conquest varied largely by region. Even in the abolitionist North, though, he had a lot of fans. Plays were written about him and performed in places like Manhattan. One 1856 playbill from the Purdy National Theater declared him the hope of freedom. Another writer from Kentucky was inspired enough to write the Nicaraguan National Song in Walker's honor. Here's... Wait, few, yeah. Can they? There were fucking per plays, like theatrical yeah, performances in Manhattan. Yeah, in the Purdy Theater. Mm-hmm. Do, can you get your hands on the, that script? I hope so. I have not yet, but that I would, would be love a to behind the bastards table read mm-hmm. to end them all. We could really have some fun with that. Oh my yeah. god, I can only imagine the horseshit in that fucking script. Yeah. Uh, a writer from Kentucky was inspired, like I said, to write the Nicaragua National Song. I'm going to read a few bars from that, Miles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it needs not a prophet or talker to tell you in prose or in verse the exploits of Patriot Walker, whom tyrants will long deem a curse. A brave son of freedom is Walker, and nations his fame will rehearse. Oh, Son of boy. freedom. Freedom. Brave son. The freedom to own slaves. Freedom to own slaves. Brave. And you know, like, there's going to be some haters who are going to act like he wasn't a good guy, but you're going to see, dude. They're going to be singing Mm -hmm. his praises. There's some haters, but most people love Mm -hmm. him. 
Of course, he was also hated by the abolitionist press and by many people in free states. Uh, a conspiracy theory was developed that Walker's conquest of Nicaragua was part of some convoluted scheme to get the country annexed by the U.S. and add another slave state to the Union. People who knew Walker didn't find that likely, um, at least that it was like a, a grand scheme to support slavery. One of his recruits later wrote, the real underlying purpose of Walker's going to Nicaragua, in my opinion, was empire in the tropics with Walker as the central figure. Of this, I never had any doubt. Mm-hmm. So like that's the chief debate is like either Walker was a pro-slavery crusader and this was part of like a scheme to add more slave states or he he really just wanted his own empire in Central America. Yeah, I think it's just one of those empire first. They're both plausible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. slavery is just a byproduct, which I can live with. Yeah. My main goal is empire or yeah, it really is hard to tell. It is hard to tell because by the time he's in charge of Nicaragua, racism is definitely not just a thing he's using to get more troops, but like a motivating force to right. behind him. Like he's being like it, you could there's a difference, you know, yeah. in how he was like, acted in Mexico and Nicaragua. It's like tough, too, because even if he was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not racist. I was just doing that shit because I like empire. It's like, well, it's wild, Mr. Walker, because you walk the walk and talk the fucking talk of a maniacal slave owner. Yeah, something else. So, the one positive impact of Walker's time in power <laughs> is that it did successfully unite the two f- warring factions of the Nicaraguan government. The Aww. legitimist and liberal parties were able to come together to say fuck you to the white guy who'd conquered their country almost by accident. Thank fucking Working with God. allies. Yeah. So, they got together with some allies in Costa Rica, Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador uh, and put together an army of more than 6,000 men to oppose William oh. Walker. Now, by this point, Walker himself could draw on about 1,500 men. They were well-armed and motivated, and in short order, the two sides settled into a vicious guerrilla war, burning homes and villages. The Americans had the advantage of better weaponry and organization, but were hampered by the fact that they were often drunk as fuck, and that William <laughs> Walker was very bad at waging war. Um, yeah, those are the two downsides. I can only imagine, um, yeah, guerrilla warfare, and you're drunk. Yeah, it's not ideal. The (laughs) fuck are you talking about? It sounds like a disastrous combination. It was. After a series of tactical blunders, Walker decided that his base in the city of Granada was untenable. (laughs) Rather than just just hand it to the enemy, he evacuated his wounded and ordered the 400 soldiers stationed there to destroy the entire town before leaving. (laughs) Burn it all down. Wow. Okay. I mean. Yeah. Another thing we've seen too. We got to abandon yeah. our base, uh, burn it yeah. all down so they can't get anything. His filibuster army took to the task with glee, looting huge amounts of wine and getting wasted as shit as they forced hundreds of Nicaraguans out of their homes and then burned those homes to the ground. But they grew so enthralled with this activity that they failed to notice an army of 1,500 men surrounding them. Once the situation became clear, the troops tried to put up defensive fortifications, but they were way too drunk to actually do this. What should have been an orderly retreat became a slaughter. More than half of Walker's forces in Granada were killed or captured. And all these deaths were utterly pointless. The result of Walker's cruel insistence that the city be destroyed. Any sane person would consider this a war crime, as well as an act of supreme military idiocy. But William Walker wrote this about his actions in the aftermath. As to the justice of the act, few can question it, for its inhabitants owed life and property to the Americans in service of Nicaragua, and yet they joined the enemies who strove to drive their protectors from Central America. Why don't you love your protectors who are burning your homes down? Can't you see we're protecting you? I'm protecting you by hurting you. Why can't you see this? He is like trying to gaslight all of Nicaragua. Real, truly. <laughs> and it's also, amazing. it's like, is it that or it's and it's also like the gaslighting mm-hmm. is a by 
byproduct of his inability to just be honest about anything going on. Yeah. Oh, I would have wanted these choice. people to like, yeah. turn their back on me. Yeah. It's amazing. On February 26, 1856, Costa Rica officially declared war on Walker's government in Nicaragua. Their president issued a proclamation calling the Great Central American Family of Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras together to fight Walker. This was partly inspired by the fact that some of Walker's forces had occupied the Costa Rican town of Santa Rosa. Um, and Costa Rica was like, you guys are invading us now? Yeah, what <laughs> like, the this fuck? Isn't cool. So Walker responds to this proclamation by issuing one of his own. The natural law of individual protection obliges us, the Americans of Nicaragua, to declare eternal enmity to the servile party and servile governments of Central America. The friendship that we have offered them has been rebuffed. We are left with no option other than to make them recognize that our enmity has, can be as dangerous and destructive as our friendship is faithful and true. <laughs> I mean... His friendship, by the way, meant invading Costa Rica and taking over Santa Rosa. Yeah, friendship means, yeah, stealing your shit, abusing you, and then telling... And then telling you you're the problem. Yeah, it's pretty pretty remarkable. It's uh, very, very, uh, again, it, it, a lot of these sentiments coming out of him yeah. are so, I, 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 I'm like kind of amazed that I didn't know as much about him considering how much yeah. of like his actions like are, you know, capture like an entire frame of mind for a certain yeah. era that extends to this day. He is the platonic ideal of the Republican Party. Right, exactly. <laughs> On March 20th, the Costa Rican army reached Santa Rosa and forced Walker's forces out after a 14-minute firefight. They then invaded the city of Rivas, pushing Walker's forces street by street until they were forced to hole up in a compound owned by a wealthy family. From inside the compound, the white men had a commanding firing position, something that Costa Rican forces could not crack without great loss of life. And to tell the story about what happened next, I'm going to turn to a write-up in the Pen Gazette. Quote, a Costa Rican drummer boy named Juan Santa Maria volunteered to charge the house with his torch as long as someone would take care of his mother in case of his death. He managed to light the house on fire, drawing out the filibusters, but he was gunned down in doing so. Juan Santa Maria is now Costa Rica's national hero. The international airport is named for him. And every April 11th, the anniversary of the battle, the country celebrates Juan Santa Maria Day. I, that's, right? That's the airport in San Jose. Yeah. In Costa Rica. Yeah, I've, it's named after the guy who like burned down this. Yeah, I've been there. I've been to that yeah. airport many times, and I just figured I don't know. Maybe I didn't realize it's a dude. Who Some was guy. Like, yeah, I'm a torch. This it's motherfucking a teenager, house. A so, teenager who was like, "Take care of my mom when I die. I'm gonna burn this house down. We gotta get these fucking dudes out of here." What a fucking hero! What a G! Yeah, my God, straight G. Also, just yeah. sort of like. Oh, you're down to do this? I'm like, yeah, man, but make sure my mama's taken care of. Make sure my mama's okay. Fucking great dude. And yeah, then of course, that's a guy who gets a fucking holiday. So yeah. is he like, he was like that, I don't know if you remember Lord of the Rings, the two towers where the Uruk yes, guy he's had like to that charge Uruk with yeah. the torch to blow up the wall. I mean, talk about some like. That was based uh, on him, actually. So Tolkien just lifted that from Costa Rican history. Woke Tolkien, not woke. Well, Tolkien. <laughs> Let's yeah, let's not dig into that too yeah, much. To um, JR Wokey. <laughs> um so yeah, and that's like part of what I was saying at the very top of this episode is like this guy's really well known in the places he fucked up. We've yeah. just completely forgotten him in America. Right. Um, they were, like they remember his ass in Costa Rica. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, he's a hero because he fucked up this whole yeah. this whole guy's plan that you guys don't know about. Wow. Yeah. 
The brave Central American soldiers, doggedly resisting the American imperialists, wound up finding a surprising ally in their fight. Cornelius Vanderbilt. What? (laughs) Oh, my God. New player has entered Uh, the game. Yeah, Vanderbilt was one of the wealthiest men in history, and since 1849, his company had controlled transit lanes across Nicaragua. Uh, Vanderbilt's men had actually helped Walker's efforts early on um, before he completely took over the country. But once he took power, the American filibuster had revoked Vanderbilt's company charter and stolen all of its boats. Um, bad call. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck so with well, the money, honey. Vanderbilt <laughs> clearly cared nothing for the sovereignty of Nicaragua, but he hated William Walker for fucking with his money. In December of 1856, Sylvanus Spencer, one of uh, Vanderbilt's employees, led 120 Costa Rican soldiers on a canoe raid of the port of Greytown, Nicaragua. They met with President Mora and 800 more troops there, now armed with guns comparable to the American weapons, guns provided by Cornelius Vanderbilt. They succeeded in cutting off Walker's forces and severing his lifeline to the United United States, through which he received the reinforcements and supplies that made his occupation possible. At the same time, Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala had advanced on Walker's northern territories. The situation degenerated until, on May 1, 1857, Walker surrendered to the U.S. Navy and was taken back to New Orleans. He was, of course, greeted as a hero by throngs of adoring fans. An impromptu parade carried him to a fine hotel where he delivered a speech. The New Orleans Delta, a local paper, recalled it thusly. In his calm, earnest manner, and with manly eloquence, he said it was a proud consolation, after months and years of trial, to experience the approbation that was given to the causes he advocated. It was a triumph greater than arms could ever win. With such manifestations, it was impossible that the cause of Nicaragua could fail, no matter who were its enemies, no matter how much they labored, no matter how much they willed. The enemy, he said, would yet be put beneath our feet. What a f- uh... We still got a chance, guys. The upward failure trajectory is unbelievable. Truly. And I like that also he's defining as the enemy, the people of Nicaragua. And of course, the American audience is like, yeah, fuck those guys. Yeah. Rather than being like, wait, (laughs) hold on. You went there and you fucked their whole shit up. They didn't like it. Okay, sure. Well, hey, let's uh, you guys catching that five o'clock matinee of the William Walker colonizer fuck fest play. Mm hmm. Oh, I bet that was a good play. We got it. We got to get that script. <laughs> yeah, it has to be like the Library of Congress. I mean, could someone help us find. It's got to be somewhere. It's yeah. got to be somewhere. Now, it's hard to say how many lives precisely the whole debacle cost. Walker took in about 2,500 soldiers during his time in power. 40% of them died from either combat or illness. And it's unknown how many Central American soldiers and civilians died. But the number has to be at least in the low thousands. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Walker barely seemed to notice any of this. He still considered himself the president of Nicaragua, and he traveled quickly to Washington, D.C., where he met with President Buchanan. He told the actual president that he intended to return to his country. He also issued a formal complaint against the naval commander who'd arrested him. He suffered no legal consequences for his actions and was allowed to travel across the country raising money for a return to Nicaragua. Oh, my God. Pretty cool, right? Wait, so he had another trial in New Orleans, I'm guessing? When yeah, he was arrested, it was fine. And it went the same same thing. Yeah, it's hey, fine. we love you, Billy. Keep keep mm-hmm. on keeping on, my man. Yeah, same. Essentially, the same thing happens. Right. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I don't think there's a trial in Nicaragua or in uh, New Orleans, but like, yeah, he. Uh, oh, so they he, just arrested him and be like, I hey, come on, knock it off. You're coming home. Enough yeah, of that. yeah. He 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 gets off scot free. Oh, okay. So he was on timeout. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he traveled, not even time out, because he immediately starts traveling around to raise money to, like, reinvade Nicaragua. <laughs> in 1860, he published a book, The War in Nicaragua, and named himself as General William Walker on the title page. So he's been, he's been colonel? promoted to general. Yeah, he yeah. went from colonel to general. General. Oh, wow. G- G-E-N apostrophe L. He, uh, yeah. What the fuck is that? Southernizes it. It's is, like a, you know, Like a colloquial version of, rather than yeah, fully exactly. saying general. Yeah, it seems. He fe- I feel like he thinks it seems a little bit less uh, pompous. Or, but like, if he, yeah, if he had actually spelled it out, would that have been like caused him trouble because he's technically not a general? No, no. You could anyone could be any rank in the military they wanted at that point. Oh, great! It's just a matter of calling it yourself that. Mm. Um, so the book he dedicated to my comrades in Nicaragua uh, to do justice to their acts and motives to the living with hope that we may soon meet again on the soil for which we have suffered more than the pangs of death, the reproaches of a people for whose welfare we stood ready to die, to the memory of those who perished in the struggle with the vow that as long as life lasts, no peace shall remain with the foes who libel their names and strive to tear away the laurel which hangs over their graves. Hmm amazing oh i okay yeah <laughs> he gets, miles it gets better there's not often lessons yeah. in the lives of these bastards if there is in fact any lesson at all in the life of william walker it's that attempting to conquer central american states with an army of drunken southerners is apparently addictive shortly after publishing his stupid book william walker shacked up with a group of british settlers who planned to start a colony in roatan an island off the coast of honduras like the nicaraguan liberal party they asked for his help he agreed but was captured immediately by the british navy on his way to start a war with honduras at the time the british empire controlled what's now belize and they considered william walker this guy whose only ambition is starting a series of ill-conceived wars yeah they, they decide he's a dangerous influence on the region oh and so Rather than send him back to the USA, they make one of the only decisions the British Empire ever made that I fully endorse. They hand him over to the Honduran government for justice. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, he is sentenced instantly to die. And on September 12th, 1860, William Walker was executed by firing squad. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. This this Honduran firing squad is hell-bent on making sure the motherfucker is dead. Yeah, was it like 700 people? (laughs) I want to read you a quote from the New York Times writing about his execution. Three soldiers stepped forward to within 20 feet of him and discharged their muskets. The balls entered his body and he leaned forward a little. But it being observed that he was not dead, a fourth soldier mercifully advanced so close to the suffering man that the muzzle of the musket almost touched his forehead and being there discharged, scattered his brains and skull to the winds. Thus ends the life of the gray-eyed man of destiny. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Fuck Scattered yes. his brains and skull to the wind. Yeah. Fucking blew his head off. Wow. I yeah. I can only imagine how in, indignant he was to in the in, like what that trial was or whatever quote unquote trial if he had anything to say. Or if at the last yeah. minute he's like, I'm trying to help. <laughs> yeah. Today, William Walker is an obscure figure in the United States. I would be surprised if much more than like 10% of the audience had heard anything about this guy before the episode. Like you said, you flew into that airport named after the kid who fucked up his plans for a bunch of times. Yeah. I only learned about this guy like a year ago when a fan from Central America suggested him as a bastard. Um, And he is still quite famous in the places he harmed. They remember William Walker in Sonora, in Nicaragua, in Costa Rica, in Honduras. But here in the U.S. of A., the only folks who still know the gray-eyed man of destiny are history buffs and libertarians. 
Oh, <laughs> oh hey, yeah, buddy. Icon. We got a fun last act of this episode. Oh, I want to end this by talking about a hilarious article I found on the Cato Foundation website. Oh, about um, William Walker? Oh, yeah, baby. Oh. Yeah, it's reviewing a book called Tycoon's War about Walker's career, and the fine folks at Cato really fucking like William Walker. Here's how they describe the start of his war in Nicaragua. With the same strict discipline he used in his Sonora campaign, Walker and 58 men sailed in May 1855 for Nicaragua and made their way to the revolutionary capital of Leon. Walker's reputation had preceded him, and he was well-received. He and his men captured Granada. Their fighting abilities and Walker's leadership defeated numbers that were as much as 10 to 1. Holy shit. Oh, I'm not done, but let's just let that paragraph breathe. The same strict discipline. (laughs) Is there even a book they could have read that would have even given them that idea? Or are they completely like, how do we make this guy sound good? I haven't read this book, Tycoon's War, but maybe it makes it out that way. His own soldiers, when writing about it later, repeatedly referenced how drunk they were. (laughs) Holy shit. Strict Um, discipline. Ah, of course. Master tactician. And his, his, his master tactical abilities yeah. that got all of the other guys in charge killed. <laughs> his story captured world attention. He had brought an element of peace to the war-ravaged country and hoped the changes he enacted would help bring the entire Central American region under American control. Changes like instituting slavery and making English the national language. In the new revolutionary government that formed, he was made commander-in-chief of the Nicaraguan army. As such, he controlled Nicaragua. In 1858, minor breakdowns and uprisings led to the collapse of the government, and in Walker's reestablishment of it, he was elected president. Walker's government was recognized by the U.S. government under President Franklin Pierce, and friendly relations were established. Walker was so popular, he was able to recruit thousands of Americans into his private army. Oh, wow. Bravo. Reading modern libertarians write about this has convinced me that, like, oh, no, there's still a lot of people who would, like, today, if an American tried to invade Nicaragua to make it part of America and reinstitute slavery, they'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, why not? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And, um, it's, I'm, you know, they leave out the important lesson for colonizers gone wrong is it can end up with your brains and skull scattering into the wind. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because like, you know, you've got your you've got your your good libertarians and your evil libertarians right. embodied by the Cato Institute. And like like as a libertarian, your your attitude should be this guy interfered directly with the liberty of an entire people and he got murdered for it. This therefore, is a happy story. Yeah, therefore, yeah, <laughs> yeah it makes sense. Played out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it, it's I don't know. Like this whole good on the Cato Institute for keeping the memory of William Walker alive by lying about it. Yeah. I mean, people need (laughs) heroes, you know, so it's strict discipline, strict discipline. Everyone's black, the fuck out drunk fighting in a lot wars. In a lot of ways, William Walker's strict discipline reminds me of my own strict discipline. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just like, fuck it, man. Play it like a video Mm -hmm. game. See what happens. Yeah. Miles, yep. How you feeling? How you feeling at the end of this? Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad we get. uh, I'm on an episode where, like, there's justice. Uh, Yeah. Like typically, it's been like, and they died in obscurity and natural death, or like to this day, Eric Prince is still trying to fucking you know act out his like army fantasy, or and they were rich and beloved forever. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you know like when I when we did Trump University, that's. 
that's that chapter is still being written. So yeah, it's nice to have a nice wrapped up version of this moment in history uh, with a lesson for wannabe colonizers, uh, and also a great lesson now knowing the history of uh, was it Juan, uh, Juan Santa Maria. Yeah, Juan Santa Maria. Yeah. yeah, shout out to him, man, and shout out to his shout mom. Shout out to him. Yeah, that kid's cool as hell. So, yes, Miles, <laughs> mm. you want to colonize the end of this episode with some um some pluggables? Oh man, yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna keep plugging 420 Day Fiance. It's mm-hmm. a, a show with Sophia Alexandra, who's also been a guest on this podcast, uh, where we talk about. The absolute garbage nightmare reality show, 90 Day Fiance, but we smoke weed and we're just having a laugh, you know? So check that one out. And then, I don't know, check out the Daily Zeitgeist too. That's every day. Every day, bro. Twice a day. uh, Every day. Every day, bro. Like Team 10. Uh, And yeah, on uh, social media, at Miles of Gray, G-R-A-Y. And you can find me somewhere on the internet. No mm-hmm. one knows where. No one ever has known where. And no one ever will know where. It's a mystery. <sighs> yeah. And Robert. people still don't know that you are actually a disembodied voice, truly. And you're just mm-hmm. an AI algorithm mm-hmm. that we interact yeah, with. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, am, I am channeled by a mix of coding and dark Satanist magic. And tramadol. And tramadol. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, need to, I, I do need to go back to Ensenada. <laughs> Call it colonize another couple of pharmacies yeah i'm sure you can get a bunch of a wacky group of volunteers to go with you as well i i bet i could get 45 heavily armed men to go get painkillers in ensenada with yeah and absolutely not needed but hey no worth the story no no you don't they 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 sell them to you willingly so there's no need for arms (laughs) yeah that's just for the fundies Mm -hmm. robert well the episode's over what robert also hosts at worst year ever which is that at Worst Year like Pod me. on the Twinstagram. We also have a Twinstagram for our show at Bastards Pod. You can also follow Robert at I Write Okay. We have a T Public store. She's you know, someone, she is holding her forehead in just I know. absolute disappointment at, at, at just for you as a host. I just want to communicate that to you. It's not really so, as someone, a host as my child. Oh, as your disappointed it, mom. Vibes. Someone <sighs> someone tweeted earlier. Robert has finally succeeded in doing that thing men do where they forcibly make themselves so incompetent at something that a woman has to handle it. Yeah. And that exactly. That's exactly what I did. I remember how quickly that happens, too, because I believe the last time Mm -hmm. I was on this show, you used to actually give out this information. (laughs) I did. I did used to. Yeah, Robert used to do his job. Eventually, Sophie's just going to be doing the entire show, and I will still get paid. And that's, yeah. that is my retirement and that plan. Is, and then you have fully William Walkered the fuck out of this yeah. thing. Yeah. All right, Robert, shut the fuck up. The episode's over. It is. <laughs> wow. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.